Welcome back to The Secret Runner, a bi-weekly podcast in which I'll be talking to an international Ironman competitor, My Secret Runner, to get training tips and coaching advice for everyday runners like myself to reach their next personal best. Hang on, did I just say bi-weekly? Yes, yes I did. Based on some of our listener feedback and how long it takes to edit our conversations down, we're going to be putting two episodes out a week now. We'll release one episode with discussion and chat on a variety of topics, user questions, and hopefully soon get some guests on as well. The other episode will focus more on the specifics of my training under the Secret Runner's coaching plan and his training towards his next big event. In this episode, we will talk about how to choose your kit, in particular running shoes, and we'll get the Secret Runner's views on pain relief before a race. So let's get to it. Hello, Secret Runner. Hello, Pete. How are you doing? I'm doing very well today, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Cheers. All good. Can't complain. So this week, I would like to talk to you in our discussion section about how to choose the right kit. Because when I started taking this seriously, this running, since you've been coaching me, I bought myself some new shoes and I didn't really know what I was doing. And prior to that, and you'll probably wince at this, I used to go to TK Maxx and try on whatever shoes were like 15, 20 quid, put them on and then run in them for many years. I've still got those last ones. They're a nice new balance pair and they're now my garden shoes. And if I accidentally leave them on and run in them, they're still fine. But I brought myself some, is it Asics? Asics, yeah. So I did some research and I looked up those and there's all these different things about your feet rolling inwards and outwards. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I kind of, picked some that were supposed to be good for I think road running because all this 10k half marathon stuff's on roads and good reviews and then I just sort of picked them and they're fine when I first got them they're a bit tight but they've got those weird laces that you like oh like boa laces boa laces it's like a dial on the side and you press it in and twist it and it ratchets them they're really common in cycling shoes yeah I remember you saying you thought they'd be cycling shoes but um I believe it's because they're quicker for transitions than having to like lace up because you just push them in and twist them. Maybe, yeah. Although they lack sort of any elasticity. Yes. So on my shoes, I have like elastic laces so that it, I can just pull the tongue open, put my feet in, and then it pulls it back to a nice secure lockdown. So these shoes I got, I love them. They're great now. And I love the twisty lace thing. It's fun. But it was kind of fluke that they worked. And my wife did the same thing ordered some online and then she got them and she hated them and they made they gave her like tendonitis like a couple of weeks after a little bit of running they were just wrong right anyway i put the shoes into the garmin app thing and then i was running with it and now it's saying oh like you're 80 percent of the way through their life because they've got like a mileage and i've always just bought cheap shoes and run until they've got holes and the soles are falling off which i don't think is the right thing to do no and i'm (laughs) it's lucky that i got shoes that fit or at least i think they fit and they're comfortable but what's the best way to go about getting the right kit for you I mean, okay, so there's a few things there. First of all, going to TK Maxx and buying a pair of New Balance shoes for 20 quid. We've all been there and done that. And that's exactly what I used to do. I mean, it serves a purpose, does a job. 
It depends. I wouldn't go and do that now. But like someone who was just beginning running and they were just thinking about maybe going out and doing one run a week or something like that, then that can't hurt really. It just gives you a bit of a feel for it. And you're not going and running all the time. So hopefully you're not going to cause yourself any injuries if they're not exactly the perfect shoe for you. Having the perfect shoe for you, the best way to go about that is to go to a running shop or a shoe shop that does run specific shoes and has staff there that will be able to take you through the process. And is this where you go on a treadmill and they look at your gait or...? Ideally, that would be great. I know really what sort of shoe I'm after now, but sometimes depending on what I'm doing, I'll... Like when I ran across Switzerland last year, I needed a pair of trail shoes, so I needed something a bit different, so... Again, I went through all that process again. So you go to the shop, have a word to them, tell them what it is you're looking for. Me, I I would always say to them, this is what I'm currently using. This is what I really like. So if there's another model or just an updated model or the same pair of shoes, even if you've got them, but they'll get you on a treadmill and they usually take a video of it. And in that video, if they're really good, they'll show you exactly where you can quite clearly see where your ankle kind of collapses whether it's on the outside or the inside and so that's called pronate so they'll take you all through that and once they show it to you you can draw on your leg draw the angles and you can see and then all you need to do is you try a few different pairs of shoes on based on their advice And you'll be able to compare those videos and you'll see all of a sudden on one video your ankle might be collapsing over in one direction quite a bit. And in another pair of shoes it might all be a lot more stable. And so it doesn't take much to figure out that the one where your ankle's not under lots of pressure and collapsing, that you're putting less stress through your ankle. That constant repetition of pounding on the floor and all the weight going through that area it's ultimately going to result in fewer injuries or reduce the chance of injury. So when you talk about your ankle collapsing... I'm probably being a bit dramatic. It's like your foot, like your foot rolling out or rolling in. Yeah. So if you looked at somebody from behind, it's how much the foot rolls left or right. Yeah. And that's just one example of something that you're looking for in your shoe. So something else, depending on the distance that you're running, there are shoes out there that are more suitable for running marathons and ultras and half marathons. And there are shoes that are more suitable for track and 5 to 10k racing. And then obviously beyond that, you've got trail shoes, which are better on trails and you've got more extreme versions of trail shoes. So the surface of what you're running on is also important. So my old shoes, they felt a lot softer and more cushiony and the ones I've got now, they've got harder soles. How cushioned your, your sole is, is kind of down to personal preference. So you do get some shoes, like some of the Hoka Oni Oni shoes, which look like they've got massive thick sole, uh, really cushiony and then you've got some which are very thin sole and the difference is is that some people really like to get the feel of the road and the feel of the the ground and other people prefer that more comfortable cushioned feel and then that leads then quite nicely onto the drop a more neutral pair of shoes will just be a fairly even thickness all the way along 
Or then you might have a pair of shoes which has sort of a higher heel and a lower front. Yeah, that's what mine are like. And so the drop is the difference between those two. Right, okay. So it might have an 8mm drop. So it will be the difference between that heel and that front part. Right, okay. For those people who run more often, what a lot of people have is a circulation of shoes. So they, what, what I've done is I've just grabbed my circulation of shoes that I have. Let's see them. First of all, I have my shoes that I probably use most often to do most of my training in. Normal running shoes, these are aimed at stability. It's just got a lot more structure to it. Stops my foot overpronating. I have that, and then I'll have another pair of those, just in a different colour. I'll usually have two or three of those pairs of shoes going at any one time, so that I can either have one pair to race in, another pair to train in and then another pair to train in in maybe worse weather or something like that is that so you're you're completely familiar with them whether you're training or racing no it's just so that i can keep tabs on the mileage that i've got in them right and so that i've always got a pair that are going to be okay to race in right because before i used to have that many in circulation i'd get to a race and i'd done all my training in them and the shoes are feeling really flat and would you buy a pair, run in it for a while and go, these are great, I'm going to go buy two more? Or would you just, having been through all that experience in the shop, would you just commit and get however many pairs you need? No. If it was a brand new shoe that I hadn't tried before, I would just get the one. The other thing that I would do is that I have these soles. So insoles, like custom insoles. Yeah, which are like heat moulded. Can you hear that? Yeah, they're solid. They're solid, and this is, again helps with that pronation. How do they mould? Do it at the shop. You get all measured up there, and then they put them in an oven, and then you stand on them to mould them around to your foot shape. Do you transfer the insoles between the shoes? No, I have about six or seven. I do swap them around, so when a pair of shoes becomes really knackered, I might throw those shoes away. I'll take the insoles out, and I'll put them in my next pair of most knackered shoes, if that makes sense. So there, that's what I've got training in. Then I've got my race shoes. Well, they look like platforms, like you could be in the Spice Girls. I <laughs> showing my age. So these are a lot more cushioned, but the drop is not as much. So they're flatter. These are stiffer. And these have a nylon plate running through. There's a lot of talk about carbon footplate technology in shoes that's come in. And this is basically a take on those, except for it's a nylon footplate. The thing with those carbon footplated ones, you only get about one or 200 miles out of them. Whereas these I'll be able to get more out of. So these are better shoes, but they're your race shoes. So you can, you don't want to train in those because you can't afford to just burn through them. That's right. But these would have more durability than the pure carbon footplate. Right. Okay. Just because this is a nylon footplate, it's kind of a best of both worlds. I can still get a lot of mileage out of them, but um, I'm still getting some of the benefits like the carbon footplate shoes. And I'm assuming those are more expensive than your training shoes. No, they're all about the same sort of price, really. So why don't you just buy four pairs of those? Because these haven't got the structure and stability. So when I'm running in these, my ankle's actually going to be under more stress and pressure and pronate more. So if I run in these all the time, I probably get injured. And can you not get some with a nylon or carbon footplate with the support? 
Not really, because of the aim of these is that they're meant to be, they're aimed at people running fast. This is a much lighter shoe. How much weight difference? I'd like you to weigh those shoes, please. Okay. Nike Zoom structures. For one one shoe, 375 grams. And my race day shoes, 286. So nearly 100 grams lighter and then across two feet. So just short of 200 grams, which doesn't seem like a lot, but how much does that make a huge difference to you then over a marathon? You can feel it straight away on your feet. It feels lighter, but it's not going to mean that you're going to go and get, go out there and get a PB necessarily. In combination with every other tiny little space saving, you might shave a second off. Yeah, although that's not really why you're doing it in this case to be honest it's more because it's how you feel and that shoe feels a lot more sprightly so i will have those one to train in one to run in then i will have this pair and this i use for mainly running at the track you actually bought me these shoes oh is that they're years old they are but because i use them relatively little because i only use them at track sessions they're still going i forgot that i I like I sponsored you a pair of shoes, didn't I? That's right, yeah. <laughs> when I was freelancing. Oh, nice. Oh, I forgot I did that. Yeah, so they weigh 194 grams. So they're super light. Yeah. But not as supportive, not as springy. No, no, no. So though my race day shoes are still using some tempo sessions and sort of like training them a bit so that I'm a bit used to them. I've been using yeah. my race day shoes more recently as I've got closer to my race. Those track shoes that I'll use purely at the track nowadays, um, just for some 400 meter intervals and things like that. And then you've got these, which are my trail shoes. So these, great structure all the way around, real good support. You can see massive cleats on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, for grip. They've got a rock footplate in them as well for like running up rocky mountains. And these are actually Gore-Tex as well. So... They're completely waterproof as well. How much are they then? Out of curiosity, and I bet they weigh a ton. Uh, yeah, they will do. This is what I ran across Switzerland in. Yeah. Uh, Four two seven. So there you go. That's sort of like a full circulation of shoes, really, for all the different type of running that I do. So when it comes to picking shoes, picking cheap ones as long as you're comfy, just to get into it's fine. Don't worry too much about it. I mean, it's what I did for I don't know ten. 15 years of casual running but then when you start to take it seriously as you always say it depends what you're trying to do and you need to take all that into account i mean if you're gonna start running i think you deserve to get yourself a decent pair of shoes to be honest because the amount of money that people will spend on a bike compare that to what people will spend on shoes to go running the two don't compare, but you you de- you fully deserve a decent bit of equipment, especially for running, because it really is one of the only main things. So if you're going to concentrate on one thing, yeah, spend a bit of time getting the right shoes for your needs. There is a shop in Bristol. Let's see if I can find the name of it and put it in the description. But they do um free like gait analysis. Going on though, just briefly to talk about stuff other than shoes. When I first started, I just run in a t-shirt and I got my first, was it technical t-shirt you called them? Yeah. I got my first one when I finished my first 
Bristol Half Marathon and they gave you one in like your completers pack. And then I put that on and I did immediately think, oh my God, this is infinitely better. I think the main thing is the breathability, but also when you get really sweaty, it doesn't like cling to you and hang off. Yeah, and chafage as well must be better. Yeah, again, if someone's really passionate about running a cotton t-shirt, go for it. But like, um, I'm not saying that anyone has to wear a certain uniform to go running. It's just that me personally, I know when I'm running how it makes me feel. So ultimately, wear what makes you feel nicest. Again, a bit like going back to talking about the bike and how much people spend on cycle clothes and things like that. To buy a nice lightweight running top or t-shirt or vest, one that doesn't cling to you, doesn't chafe, is nice and light, breathable. Or the other end of the scale, if you're out running in the winter, sort of like you're looking for something with a bit more coverage, like a nice base layer or something like that, then yeah, treat yourself to it. I personally, I barely ever wear a technical t-shirt to run in. I usually just wear base layers most of the year round until it gets to the summertime and then I'll wear a running vest and they're just super light. But when you say base layers, like a thermal sort of thing? Yeah, they can be thermal, uh, but they're breathable as well. A lot of people wear them sort of like under exercise gear and stuff like that, but I just wear it as... And you just call it a base layer? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's more like a fitted technical t-shirt, I suppose, that kind of... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's almost skin tight. And again, I think that's probably just because of what I'm used to wearing lots of skin tight clothes for cycling and things like that. I prefer to have something that's not waving about everywhere and doesn't cause any chafe. And that's just me. That's just what I feel comfortable running in. And again, it, it comes down to what, what type of running you're doing. If you're running on a track and you're running in like five or 10,000 meters, everyone's going to be wearing a nice free-flowing, lightweight running vest. Someone's doing 100 meters, you're not going to w- wear that because of all of a sudden wind resistance starts to come into play. Uh, someone doing an ultramarathon, they might wear like a baggy pair of basketball shorts and something like that because of... It keeps their legs a bit more covered from like the bush and stuff like that. There's so much out there and it and ultimately my advice would be just to wear what you feel comfortable in. How do you go about finding like the different brands or the best thing? Like where do you get your or do you just just take a punt? Me, personally, if it's something that I'm not sure about that I'm researching, I'll go online and I'll just try to find some articles. So say if it's a base layer or a running t-shirt I'll go online and I'll just look sort of like top 10 best running t-shirts and you'll always find reviews and articles out there and I try to find it from a publisher or a magazine that I rate or that I've one that I trust yeah so for me there's a magazine called 220 triathlon and I trust their reviews implicitly There are other reputable places out there. Runner's World, I mean, that's a massive company. They must do loads of reviews and top tens and stuff like that. So same as everything else in the world, you just Google it and look for reputable um, reviews and top ten lists, which is the same as how I pick anything. Fridge, mobile phone, contracts. Yeah. Lovely. So my advice, if you buy a new pair of running shoes, head to a shop where the staff can help you out, where they're knowledgeable 
And hopefully if they've got some kind of gait analysis there, so a treadmill where you can test the shoes out, test on tons of shoes and speak to them about which shoes might be the best shoes for what you're for what type of running you're wanting to do. Beyond that, other just gear like t-shirts and clothing, Google the shit out of it and uh, just research to see what you think will be most comfortable for you. This week's question from the audience comes from Steve in Bristol. He was told that taking two paracetamol two hours before a race and two more just before a race helps to stop random niggles from breaking your focus. What are your thoughts on this? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've not had notice of this question before, so I haven't really had time to think about it. And there's certainly some stuff that I'd love to research about it. My initial thoughts. First of all, cheers, Steve, for sending this question. I have never done that myself. From a logical point of view, paracetamol is a painkiller. So if you've got anything that's causing you pain and you take a paracetamol, it may well hold off any niggles or any sorts of pains that you might feel or may have been feeling. I personally wouldn't want to start messing around with taking any kind of, I don't want to use the word drugs, well, this this could be broadened slightly because I have had time to think about it and wondered if there's anything you would take before or no other people take before that's legal and legitimate. What else have you heard of or what else would you do to try and numb yourself to small issues? Something I'd like to say is, first of all, the science side of it. This is a question which I am absolutely not qualified to answer. Really, I'd love to hear from a doctor or a sports scientist about what the dangers are of doing it, because I've absolutely no doubt that there there will be gains possibly, but I bet they don't come without dangers. Certainly, I've heard of people taking sort of like ibuprofen and anti-inflammation tablets before. That is a terrible idea. It can be really bad for you. Um, Again, I'd love to be able to tell you exactly all the issues that there are around that from a scientific point of view. I don't know them well enough. I think there can be all sorts of problems around hydration and your gut and even your blood is that with ibuprofen yeah it's with ibuprofen that's a much more powerful drug than paracetamol yeah yeah but i wouldn't knowing that there are those issues with that i don't know what issues there would be with paracetamol i guess first of all i would say i wouldn't do it without speaking to a doctor or a trained professional the second thing i'd say Even if that doctor or trained professional, let's say, for instance, said, oh, yeah, there's no dangers with that. It's absolutely fine. Again, I wouldn't do anything without doing it in training first. Of course. One of your mantras. Yeah, absolutely. So I wouldn't just go and do that on race day. Definitely not. It would be a road to disaster. Sounds like a shortcut then, in a way. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, people are constantly looking for like um, a hack on race day of this extra performance that seems to come from nowhere. It doesn't exist. You do it in your training, and then race day is just a graduation ceremony. Hmm. The other things to do with paracetamol that immediately come to mind is from an anti-doping point of view, there are plenty of drugs that are banned plenty of painkiller drugs that are banned because of it can be enhancing if you're blocking something out 
if it's because you've got an injury and you're trying to block that out, then that raises all sorts of questions about whether you should even be running in the first place in that race. It sounds, from what you were saying, it wouldn't be anything severe like that. It would be, I suppose, preemptive. It sounds almost more like a placebo use. So is there anything you would do to preemptively help yourself to ignore things that might bother you that that might just distract you from racing, I suppose? Or is it like you said, just get used to them in training so that it's not a shock? Certainly no substances that I would take in order to do that. Um, And so if I could just give a really quick example here, I would need to look paracetamol up um, because of if you're certainly if you're doing an event which adheres by the anti-doping agency rules and regulations there are things common over-the-counter drugs that you can buy that if you're caught taking them during competition and you have a drugs test then you could receive a ban from that sport so one common one is lemsip which has got paracetamol in it yeah but i think the main reason is because it's got something called I may well get this wrong, but I think it's phenylephrine, um, which is like a decongestant. And why is that? Is that to do with opening your airways or something like that to help you? Yeah, absolutely. It just sounds like internal nasal strips. (laughs) Yeah, it could be seen as that. I, I wouldn't know the background of what the parameters are when a drug goes onto that list. Uh, it may well be that nothing to do with LEMSIP itself and that it is all about the phenylephrine and that there might be zero tolerance on that. Other decongestant drinks are available. <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, that always rings alarm bells for me. That would cause me so much more anxiety than just dealing with mm. whatever pains and niggles come along. Especially if you're masking pain with painkillers you're not going to know when an injury has got too bad or when an eagle has got worse so for me i would not advise doing anything on race day that you haven't already done in training and i certainly wouldn't go taking any kind of substances or painkillers without speaking to a medical professional first thank you secret runner and thanks everybody for listening Thanks, Pete. Thanks, everyone, for joining us again. As always, head over to thesecretrunner.com for our Twitter and Facebook links. We'd love to know your favourite bits of kit that you use, be that swimming, cycling or running. So off you go, stay motivated and go share your secret. <laughs>